0: was weird guy usually what's going on all right uh i miss him (laughs) apes can i just i'm coming out hot really i miss that man i kind of miss him yeah like so he calls me like every day the guy who normally narrates and and, uh, announces us as as co-hosts wow this is a director piece theater by the way god i feel like a a pleb having to announce myself (laughs) like what are we paying this guy for uh He calls me every day. I think we We should like something's happening. Like we need to figure this out or fire him. I don't know what the right thing to do is. Like search for
1: him or maybe just add him. Just add him to the show. Uh,
0: uh, Yeah, as his manager. Like oh yeah, we should manage him. What do I do? do. I guess.
1: Yeah, we should say like, hey man, we'll take you out around town. We get ten percent, fifteen, really,
0: but ten. Uh, He's always asking for points on the back end of points, podcasts.
1: Points! <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he gets I don't points. know what even that means. He gets points on my thesis.
1: He gets extra yeah. points on that thesis. He's uh, a real dick. Essay points. Yeah. We've really, we really uh, met, come full circle with this bit. I mean, I, uh, really frankly, enjoyed. I've
0: never liked him, but uh, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. here we are. Uh, and here we are at Director Peace Theater. Yes, we are. Uh, definitely uh, here. Uh, yeah, man. Hey, hey, Adam. Hey, how you hey, doing? Hey, I'm great. Huh? Thank you for asking that. Uh, how yeah. are you doing? I'm excellent, man. I got to watch two movies in preparation for this. Ooh, uh, two good well, movies. Well, just one for one for yours, but we yeah. record these in doubles, so yes, we do. that's why I'm talking to you a month in the future for maybe for this sure. episode. Uh, but yeah, uh, I watched two movies. Mm. I had some tea. I did too. What kind of tea are you drinking yeah? these days? Oh, oh, I, uh, Echinacea. I'm Echinacea oh, Boy. Oh, yeah, you're a, med- you're, you're a medical boy. Yeah, I,
1: I understand. Yeah. I, I cannot plug Winter Dream Tea enough, uh, from Coffee mm. Bean and Tea Leaf. Uh, I, pl- Ooh, I think I've plugged it a different podcast, never made a dime from them. Uh, but maybe, mm-hmm. hey, listen, give me some money because I love Winter Dream Tea so much. Yeah, where's your points? Yeah, where are my points on that advertisement? Uh, yeah. <laughs> everybody's getting points. points that, everybody's man, getting points. Don't you, you... You familiar with the word Vig? I am, and I have always <laughs> I always instantly frown at a person who uses it as though it's not a bit. Instantly frowned. Mm-hmm. Oh, Vig, here we go, bro.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what I always want to use... I. I want to use that word all the time it makes me feel like a, <laughs> a, a, a pool shark or a gangster yeah or just a rough about town right I mean, uh, it's just like as soon
1: as somebody's talking about vig it's like oh are you are you running the money line are you put yeah, the teaser oh, together something, uh, something clandestine is happening yeah right it's like oh yeah we're gonna we're gonna get points uh, on that over the spread over <laughs> under yeah you Let's know, all like, bring Vig back, everybody. <laughs> the last time I heard it used as though it wasn't a bit or on a gambling mm-hmm. podcast was that, that show Luck. The, uh, right. the Dennis... Yeah, the Den, right? Dustin. The Dustin Hoffman Dustin. It's joint. Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... Uh, David Milch. Yes, and it had many horse deaths, which I believe was ultimately its demise. <clears throat> yeah, they,
0: they shut that down. <laughs> yeah, well, I think four horses died. It was like yeah, not a small amount. Yeah, they were not amount. taking care of the horses. Or they yeah. were using like... Shitty horses. I don't remember the story. <laughs> point is, the, point is they weren't they taking care of
1: horses. them, they and, they sh- and they
0: should have. That's the point. That's incredible uh, that you
1: even implied that they had <laughs> discount horses, and that was the problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. I, I wasn't implying that that was the problem.
1: I was just stating. Amazing. You know, they just it, also have I mean, shitty horses. I know this. I look at
0: horses. Well, I mean, you know. Amazing! Uh, yeah, amazing. <laughs> it's just, I, I look at. A, I've seen a horse. Yeah, I have seen him I, all these years. I've been
1: saying to myself, "Why does Abe own so many Panama hats?" And little did I know, uh, it was you down at the
0: ponies taking in oh, the, the show. Ponies. Had no idea. Uh, I'm a bet man. Yeah, you I are. I got to stop betting on everything. Yeah, I'm just betting constantly, man. Yeah, you are. Two to one. Says I got to stop get... today. Mm-hmm. Uh... Gotta get that vig. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough. Uh, that's, that's enough. This. Let's start doing the thing that sure. we do, which is we're two directors and we talk about direction. Yes, we do. Uh, through a movie. What This is your episode. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Thank, Everyone's cheering. Thank you for the cheers. That's the sound. Yeah. Uh, so what's the movie? Yeah. And let's so talk.
1: I chose uh, 1998's indie hit, I think it's fair to say, or if not indie, ooh. it's uh, certainly a uh, a mildly cult classic film, A Murder of Crows, starring Cuba Gooding have... Jr. Now, Abe, I want you to know something. In 1998, huh? I was working at a blockbuster video. Hell uh, yeah! Yeah, I was. I was. It was in Brea, and you know what I used to do, Abe? I'd have reg- Watch Murder Crows. <laughs> yes, and I'd have regular. I'd have regulars come in and be like, mm-hmm. "Yo." You always know what the good movies are. I recommend the good movies, and I would turn them on to Murder of Crows. And you know what they'd do? They'd come back and be like, "You're one of the good ones." That's what they. I got some real applause as a recommender of movies
0: for Murder of Crows. Wow, what a dream! It really is. It's it's like you're made for directing. (laughs) (laughs) like or (laughs) suggesting at least i'm made to suggest things you're like you're like a folk hero yeah well
1: like according to Tall tale according to bob the the regular from the brea blockbuster video which has certainly been demoed at this point i was a real hero one Mm -hmm. night uh
0: you nailed it with murder of crows (laughs) yes murder of
1: crows really made him and his family have a wonderful evening and i'm glad to say i was the reason for that so well done me well, uh,
0: Ganser, I saw it. <laughs> I yeah, you saw, saw it. You saw it. <laughs>
1: it. Just
0: briefly. I hadn't Go ahead. seen it
1: before. I hadn't heard about it before. Okay, great. Go ahead. Just I want to know honestly, what did you think of it?
0: Go ahead. Go ahead and tell me. Uh I mean it's it's a garbage movie, right? Like it's not good it's, anymore. Yes. It's not a good movie. It's uh the direction is baffling. Yes, it frankly. is. Frankly. Yep, I agree. Uh and it's overwrought. In, I agree in with terms that too. of the writing, the screenplay, uh, I I want to know. I mean, I've read kind of your thesis. I kind of want to know how am I going like, to do what this? What are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, how am I going to do this? Like, <laughs> I kind of know because last episode you did drive, right. and you talked about how a director can elevate a bad script. Right. That episode came out of a few months ago, um, and that, or like a month ago, and that. Uh, I I thought that that was a great example of a director doing that. Yeah. I assume what you're doing here is uh, that you're going to tell us how they can screw it all up. That's right. Is that I'm right? doing the opposite. Right.
1: I, I'm doing an opposite episode. Ah, this, yeah.
0: is, this is my, in this. that's right.
1: This is my George Costanza moment from season, whatever yeah. of Seinfeld. I must do the opposite. Uh, <laughs> no. So, so the premise of this episode, and I wanted it to be a companion to the drive one is, so the drive episode was how does a good director, make a bad script or, or a script that's not great and mm. uh, better? How does he elevate a script? This is an episode mm. about how does a director submarine or undermine <laughs> a potentially good script. I'm not going to say good. Oh, a potentially good script. Yeah, yeah. So, well, that's what I want to talk about and uh, in order for us to embark on this journey, I have to, we have to at least have a couple of caveats, right? So, uh, here's a few of them. One, the mm-hmm. uh, this is, I'm not evaluating a Murder of Crows' script on, like, a surface dialogue level. Or mm-hmm. I'm I'm evaluating it on a structure and story level. So, like, on a right. structural level and on a story level, I thought this was a script that had a, a lot of potential. Um, yeah,
0: the story is, you know, it's like a thriller. Yes, and also it's like a, a, yeah. a fairly
1: clever one. For for the late '90s in particular, it's very
0: literary. It actually Um, kind of reminds me. There's a lot of zigging and zagging. Yes, there is. You know, and so it reminds me of like a Coen Brothers movie, a little bit, weird way. If you just like not think about the movie, not think about the script, not think like you don't know anything, and you were just to tell me the story of you know like a a lawyer who is has got too much like is. Uh, fast talking and like kills killing it in terms of his career steps back uh, and like has has a moral quandary turns his back on it is kind of like ousted out of the community of lawyers finds this guy who writes story like wrote a story about a, a book and he's trying to write a book uh, and the he reads the book and this guy wrote an amazing book about lawyers. Then he dies of a heart attack. Right. You're fine with me doing all this no, right I, now. No problem. Right? Go ahead. Please. Because I think this is speaks to like, let's get the baseline for everyone. Yeah. This is just what the story is. And I think we're talking about separating those terms. Yeah. Um, so he gets that book and then he realizes I can get away with this. Cause this, this man who wrote this book was old and he died of a heart attack. And he told, he literally told me uh, like, I don't, no one knows about this book. Right. So he just publishes it having writer's block. And because and he, he has becomes he, like a millionaire he's, and he's
1: kind of aimless up to this point, right? Like he lost, right. he sort of lost his career and his dream. Yeah, and then this yeah. thing falls into his lap. It's seemingly hurting no one. He tries to return it, but the guy is dead. So he,
0: you have a guy who's like morally correct from the get go, right. but realizes he's lost in life. And, does the bad thing and just i can get away with it it's uh you know victimless crime turns out that this guy was involved uh with uh the the murders in the book which happened to be brilliant so he made millions of dollars actually happened and he right. knows the, all the details right so we kind of deal with the mystery of well what's up with that and now we have tom berenger coming after kuba jr basically saying like you clearly did these crimes because how you're could going you to know this otherwise and yeah, in order for him this? to
1: get away from it he would yeah. have to admit i
0: didn't write the book Like, if this was, like, a talented Mr. Ripley, it would just be the first premise, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, Uh, it's... Ultimately, it's saying things that a lot of 90s movies said, which is, like, mm -hmm. man, uh, people are evil every way they turn, especially in the law field. Right, Uh, right. Like, Devil's Advocate very famously said that, and uh, a couple Mm -hmm. other movies. But I kind of thought this was a fun... Slight like it there was some legally minded, intelligent ideas in it, and I also like the literary piece of it a lot, uh mm-hmm. because that appeals to my particular background. And also, hey man, great works of literature are great for a reason. And uh the idea of this sort of almost Faustian bargain, you know, like this almost Shakespearean right. twist, uh is cool. And I really I you know, when I was younger I didn't see the flaws as a director as much and I really enjoyed the movie. Right. And I think a lot of people who haven't recently seen it but saw it when they were younger think of it Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is good. This is a good movie. And if you go back and watch it now, you're like, oh, oh, no. Oh, Uh, no. Yeah. And that's what I want to talk about is why that impression. And uh, I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. who are going to watch this for the first time might be like, this is a bad movie. What are we talking about? So we're talking about a story first, that the story has a lot of potential uh and has really good twists and turns the execution of it is not so great even on a writing level but most importantly for our purposes on a directing level which is the point of the episode so abe and i have agreed as the premise of this podcast we're not gonna bash directors for entertainment that's not uh really the point of this podcast i i think and i think you agree abe that celebrating the work is important. I do
0: want to dunk on this guy a little bit. You, sh- but you yeah, can dunk a right. little,
1: but like I don't, I don't think that's actually
0: good. It's not the purpose. Work here. Yeah, it I want to do good work too. It's uh, me. Mean, it's mean spirited. Yeah. I get all the reasons. Correct. I'm just, I'm, I'm a little mean. Yeah, I get it. You, you got <laughs> a little. Mean. You got a little, little, little Behringer in you. I know what you got to do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, briefly, the reason I picked this film to do this topic is because the writer and the director are the same person. So on the one hand, I can sort of compliment some of the ideas, but on the other hand, sort of uh, criticize the execution. And I think that's still a fair Mm -hmm. outing for our director, who Mm -hmm. is uh, Rowdy Harrington. That's who directed and wrote Mm -hmm. this movie. Um, He is probably most famous for Roadhouse. Uh, How many times have you seen Roadhouse, would you say, Abe?
0: Uh, I think only the ones to be honest did you hate it did you like it where were you on that scale Uh, I was kind of indifferent about it to be honest with you okay Uh, I don't I think that it's not exactly clever but it like uh, Roadhouse I like the style of it Um, okay
1: that's interesting
0: yeah I guess that that would be it I don't even actually remember like what the the minutia of the plot is in Roadhouse it, so like Roadhouse oh. is briefly is the story
1: of like the A plus uh, bouncer right. who gets hired to sort of like shape up this really uh, really feisty uh, Roadhouse for, with a lot of riffraff which upsets the local town and so he has to defeat you know some local guy who's trying to undermine everything um, it's very eighties. It's, it's like right in the eighties sensibility. Uh, it's very manic in the way that a lot of eighties movies were, uh, and, and like in sort of a Paul Verhoeven way almost, but not as, but not with that kind of craftsmanship, a little bit more sort of stagey, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, that's the vibe. It's, it's a, it's Patrick Swayze. I think Patrick Swayze is, is underappreciated oh, yeah. <laughs> as a lead because he kind of
0: grounds these stupid ass movies. Like,
1: that's like one of the, yeah, he's very good it's at that. Stupid.
0: Yeah. And yeah, you're yeah. right. He, you're right. He's yeah. really good. At, like, he does ground it. Cause he's never going to come to a project without being like, cause he's like an actual actor. I mean, right. like, right. You know, like he's not trying to do character acting because that's what he's known for. He's just doing the standard, protagonist and he understands that's his function and he doesn't really try to flaunt it. So he really makes the wackiness of the the rest of the movie, or I guess the, uh, over aspects of the movie feel like, oh, okay, so this isn't like a, like a, like a play. I think that I'm watching that breaks the fourth wall. I think
1: Patrick Swayze, had that sort of magical ability as an actor to kind of like, sweep us up in the melodrama of these movies he was in so that we mm-hmm. accepted them as a real world. Like I think that's yeah. like one of that and dancing is like are like two of his most important talents. Cause like if you <laughs> right. go back and watch Dirty Dancing even, or like uh mm. even Point Break or uh spoilers yeah, just gonna Ghost, mention point break. They're all kinda silly. Uh and he sort of yeah. grounds it with his uh over the top intensity. So anyway, yeah. we're getting way off track here. Uh Roadhouse mm. It was sort of the big breakout for Rowdy Harrington, but I thought you, Abe, and also the audience would be interested to know his origins. So he started as a like a best boy electric in television, like yeah. he worked through the electrical Running department, cables. Yeah. yeah, and he was like sort of a gaffer on a bunch of films, and then right before he broke out, yep. he was a stage manager for the show Growing Pains, which right. means he's a guy who's worked in a lot of stages. He's done a lot of stage work. He's done a lot of lighting for contained spaces, from what I can tell. Like, he's Mm -hmm. very much grown up in a sort of studio-controlled environment. And Mm -hmm. then he sort of breaks out with a film he wrote that wasn't a huge hit, uh, the name of which escapes me. But then he made Roadhouse, which sort of got him the credibility to continue writing and directing films for, you know, 15, 20 years. And he did that. He did eight of them, writing five. And I think what we can take from that is that sometimes you can look at a filmmaker's journey through the ranks and know what they're going to be. Like sort of get a sense of what their sensibility's gonna be. You've said this a lot about, for instance, Tony Scott. I would say Ridley Scott. You can look at his time in the art department and then watch the movie Alien and be like, oh yeah. So like this is a guy who's very production set, like production design conscious. Yeah, and that's, he cares
0: about the space. Yeah, and also a lot. he
1: cares about shapes and uh, and and uh, artistic design in the sets in a way mm-hmm. that directors mm-hmm. before him probably didn't, and that's one of the yep. things that made him so good uh, as a director. Yeah. So yeah. that so to summarize what I'm getting at here, Rowdy Harrington has a sort of TV slash
0: journeyman's sensibility. Like that's- and by TV, do you mean like uh, character emphasis, or do you mean just uh, like shoot a lot of pages? Like what aspect I think of TV are of you? That. I think both of those things. I think his okay. his visual aesthetic is very television.
1: His yes. uh, sense of character is very television. His mm-hmm. blocking is very television. Like there's a lot of, right. and I don't mean like. Uh, television like the sopranos like the single cam like high art stuff i mean traditional yeah. television working in a studio like ER. yes working in a studio <laughs> and like uh doing the same thing every day and sort of repeatability i think that's right his sensibility now abe does it surprise yes. you or does it does it excite you to learn that he was also a directing instructor at USC for five years. Does that it excite excites you? Excites me
0: so much. Yeah, great. I am turgid. Please say <laughs> yeah. more. Please say more. <laughs> I am turgid. Yeah, yes. it excites me a lot, man. Uh yeah, USC. Uh that's one of the things that you kinda you kinda come to learn about uh USC versus something a place like AFI. Right. Which uh is a conservatory. So you kinda go in with the um the kind of like, you have a discipline at, like, AFI. uh, So you, like, go, I'm going to be a cinematographer. I'm going to try out for the cinematography aspect of this school. And I'm going to get in or I'm not. And I'm not going to be considered to be a director or a sound engineer mm-hmm. or anything mm-hmm. like that. I am only this I type. only do this thing. At USC, right. it's a more uh, top-down kind of consideration. They want... They want to sell people on the idea that you send your come here and you will be like a storyteller, right? And then you're gonna find out by learning from the ground up what stories all about, and then by that you're gonna decide what your discipline you want to focus I on. I mean, what they so it's
1: like what they really mean though is come here and we will find a way for you to be employed in the entertainment industry if you're willing to do that.
0: Right, that's what they I really mean. I also think that. I also think that it's, I mean, I don't know, it's my alma mater, so I can't say it's too much shit. But my experience there uh, led me to believe that they did that. uh, Because, frankly, the only thing that should be really taught, other than the scene of films, should be the vocational aspects of making films. I agree with that. And USC wasn't the greatest at that, even though we had the best equipment and stuff like that. um, It still was... Like they really didn't have us focus on what make what makes films on a mechanical level as much as they could have, and uh, and I always would say that I think the reason that they made it more inclusive is because they wanted everyone to feel like they're included so that they got more money. So I mean, that's of course, me. that's
1: every film school. Uh, but they kind they of, also yeah. not kind of definitely, they they also. Uh, want to prevent people from dropping out because right. they don't want people to realize too early. Oh, I'm not really a director. <laughs> like they don't want people to realize that. Uh, So they kind of have more of a survey approach for the first or the year opposite, and a half. Which is, you
0: know, which is more rare, which is, uh, Oh, like I kind of had that in 2010 where I was like, I was all about going to USC. Right. I didn't drop out of USC cause I didn't need to. Um, but I took a semester off. Yes, you did, and shot a film because I realized I was like, you know what? I am actually a filmmaker. I don't need you. I USC. don't need school. I can just make yeah. it. Yeah. Which in some sense they're very right. good about it. I'll yeah. give them credit for that. They'll be like, yeah, yeah. You just dip out and you dip back in, and it's not going to be a problem. Um, so, any in, in any case, I think that the, it's that's just kind of the worldview that I think that. Harrington probably also buys into a little bit, definitely later in his career when he started teaching there. Yes. I think um, he's actually kind of a
1: good instructor for their philosophy as we've represented exactly, it. Exactly. Uh, yeah. as we've represented it, but I, anyway, so we'll leave it at that. Uh, Okay, so to return to our thesis here, A Murder of Crows is a script that has potential that's being undermined by the director. So I want to show exactly how that is happening. So first, I want to talk about, broadly, quality control issues. Okay, that's a thing in this Mm -hmm. movie uh, with many manifestations. So this film suffers from a, a, a... A syndrome that I'm going to call roadhouse aesthetic, and I'll define it in a minute, but roadhouse Mm. aesthetic is the problem. So, when you're a director, uh, you are the person who people will approach at all times, day or night, and ask you to sign off on things. Right? So, that can be as simple as, do you like this location? Do you like this dress? Do you like this mask? Do you like this... Can we cast this person? Basically, every major decision gets finalized... By a director, because that is ultimately their job. They are the ultimate quality control, and their role uh, in that respect is to make sure that there is a cohesion in the film to their vision. Like that's sort of what we Uh is expected. Now, I don't want to make it sound like there's never any variation from that. Uh, There are definitely times when like producers or teams of producers will function in that role instead. So, like Jerry Bruckheimer films are kind of a good example of that. Uh, Marvel movies, definitely an example of that, right? Where you have like Kevin Feig and a team of producers deciding stuff in the editing bay and so on. But for the most part, when a director signs off on something, that is the end of the creative process for that prop or that scene or that performance or that object or whatever. So functionally speaking, and Abe and I both know this quite well, uh, one of the ways that your sensibility starts to really show as an artist is based on what you say yes to in the film, right? Where you say, yes, I'll let that go. I'll let that be in the film. Um, and oftentimes, especially when there's stress involved or when the, the, the gears of production start to grind on you, which they always do as a director, your sensibility begins to show at the expense of your motif or strategy, Uh, If people, for instance, aren't performing the way they should, or if there are things that you had to accept that you didn't like, or worse, if your sensibility is not up to the motifs that you set out to do, which happens all the time in films. Mm -hmm. So uh, what that means, just functionally speaking, is like, we're the people who say, yes, this is good enough. (laughs) Like, that's our job. And if it's not good enough, it's it's our fault no matter who made it. So with that in mm. mind, I think it's fair to say Harrington's sense of good enough was definitely not good enough for the makeup in this movie.
0: Oh geez, that yeah, yeah. The, the, that character. What's his name? What's the character's name? The old man. It just, I forget. Oh, uh, right, because he. What's the name of it? I just. It just. The guy. Guy, guy who writes it. Uh, Charles. Uh, fuck. Uh, it's it just Harlow. Har- Harlow, that's correct, Harlow. Christopher Harlow. Christopher Harlow, right, which uh, is- Because uh... it's a reference to Kit yes, Harlow. Yes, 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 And And literally, he's Kibagunin Jr. goes like, I love this uh, title. And it shows a shot of Christopher Harlow. And then he's like, it's it read like Shakespeare. And it's like, yeah, that's why we know the name Kit Harlow. <laughs> we get it. Yes. <laughs> he, maybe I'm a snob. Maybe it's like, because I've just seen, like, I don't know, like- I've read Shakespeare enough or watched Shakespeare in love enough. I don't know what it is, but like, that feels like that feels pretty common. Not like I'm dunking on it for saying like you make better references. It's just like, it's the first reference. That's not, right, it's not, a it's clever not that one. it's not it's study. It's just that it's like one Oh one class. Like, all right, plays. Well, Shakespeare <laughs> you know like here we go and he does that it's, a lot It's actually
1: Marlowe sorry it's it's not Harlow it's Marlowe It's Mar- Marlowe Marlo. right the okay. famous writer okay. who's a contemporary of, of Shakespeare's uh all and also uh is featured as the is often the name of the the PI in a noir f- film uh so there's right. there's a double yeah. reference there but like I think he, I think the director believes yeah, that's, me. that's my bad That's okay no no it's okay I think the director believes uh, with that connection that like they're saying that's how sort of like, like that's a giveaway for what the serial killers motif is. Right. Mm. Like, I don't think it's like a straight, like, Oh, the writer thought this was clever. I think it's like the writer is trying to indicate with that decision, what kind of serial killer we have, uh, which may not still be good enough, you know, but like, and then again, this is all going to come down to like, do you think that's interesting or not? I didn't hate that that much. Uh, but I didn't like it until I learned that fact.
0: You know what I mean. Until I was like, "Oh, okay, I see why." Because the serial killer is this guy. Yeah. Uh, I just think yeah, yeah, it's not great. I think there's a few times this guy does that uh, in this movie. I don't want to. I don't want to throw. I don't want to distract you from where you're going. It's okay. Uh, no, I think but you're right. I don't think. I think it's overwritten. <laughs> Th- thank you. Uh, overwritten. Thank you. But uh, your notes on the makeup, though, sir, would be more germane here. Yeah, the notes on the makeup. So that guy uh he not only is like the base of the uh I noticed the at the neck where the they kind of have to seam together like the mask the old man mm-hmm. mask and to make like jowls mm-hmm. and such it was like literally in shots and over the shoulder shots where it's like that's all you can see of that man yes there often. were like clumps where he he had clearly been turning his head to yes. the left and right and it had started to like, pinch yep. and like it literally looked like a uh, party city mask yeah it, it's uh, it's baffling that this got through uh, like you would on the day you would go nope I see that that's bad makeup fix that we'll take the time necessary to do it. And in a good idea and a good producer is like, okay, we need to find a better solution before this, or we have to spend more time on the day because that is not acceptable. Right. Everyone agrees that can't happen.
1: Yes. There's that. That's below the line of clarity, I would argue. And that's like, to me, Mm -hmm. that's like one of the biggest standards as a director is like, are we sabotaging clarity with this thing not looking good enough uh, because right. I think we are. I think like I understand his impulse. Maybe like I'm giving him generous interpretation now. Maybe his impulse is, well, I'm trying to make this guy sort of a low rent serial killer, so his mask might not look so good because he's like doing it himself in his basement or whatever. And mm-hmm. like, sure, but like that's convoluted. That's not-
0: that's convoluted and because it's bad. not how it's presented, right. we don't get the reveal exactly. that this is a guy in a mask exactly. until very like third act, Correct. middle of third Although act. You, but but of course you know it because
1: of how bad the makeup is. So like uh, and, yeah, it does make sense. Right, You're it right. makes sense. But I but again, not for clarity. It actually makes things mm-hmm. unclear and makes us feel right. the seams in a way we shouldn't. And just so that people know that it's not just me and a being like pricks about this. Like, this is a, at a time when Mission Impossible and Mrs. Doubtfire had both come out. So, mm-hmm. those are two successful endeavors at really shooting very clearly somebody in a mask. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is like the most important story beat in the story. So, mm-hmm. we should be investing money in this.
0: It's, uh... you know. This is so. All right, I'm gonna. I, I want to talk a little bit. I'm sorry. It's okay. This is gonna be a long episode because what you just hit upon is so very important. Uh, I love that this conversation. The difference between someone who directs plays yes. and directs films. Yes, I wouldn't go too much because, into this because
1: I'm gonna. I'm gonna talk at length about this. But go for it. Do your. Do you, you can introduce it by all means. Are
0: you gonna talk about how like a director? Chooses where we what we see, yes. And I'm going to talk about staging then, and
1: lighting. That's basically on point here. You already here. got it, baby. No, no, but you're I'm totally really right. shut up. And- no, no, you don't need to. I don't want you to shut up I, I, at all. Please go ahead because I, but you're right on point because I am going to talk about that stuff. Hit it. Go for now, it.
0: Let's talk about when it organically okay. comes up. Great. great. I want you to. I want you to volley, do the first. God, you so beautiful. That's great. That's great. God, you're so I'm, I'm so. I love I'm it. so proud of you, man. <laughs> He's such of, a well thought out. He thought of things me thinks. Uh, yeah. yeah, and that's my barometer for success. Yeah. No, but you're right. I mean,
1: but I, that also should tell both of us that, like, oh yeah, as directors, we're both seeing the problem here uh yeah
0: and you're yeah, right about we, this, we're both seeing the problem
1: and and it's a directing problem primarily at this point it's mm-hmm. not actually the writing so just last mm-hmm. thing and i didn't write this in my notes but it's the thing i thought about later um he also the first time we see the killer it's like right in the beginning when he's wearing the devil's outfit and the mm-hmm. the facial the the facial makeup makes him kind of look like tom beringer right yeah, he kind yeah, of looks right. like Tom Beringer which at first the first time I watched it this time around I thought was on purpose and so I was like a little confused right. uh, and that's another thing where it's like if you're a director that's a thing you it has to pop up to you wait 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 do I want people to think Tom Beringer is the devil or do I want it to right. just be some guy you know uh, right. and he it, it, the director fucked that up because I it, you now we don't have a clear idea like am I supposed to think it's Tom managerer, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, you know, and just because it's a mysterious movie doesn't mean all mysteries are good, you know mm-hmm. you, like you want to tr- you want people to track, so
0: anyway, i've made my I made my hay out of that yeah, uh, no, it's, it's, <laughs> you get it so like it's true it I didn't think about it as much as you did, but when I now think about it, i do he does have especially because we don't know that's like the first five minutes, and the only things we know about the movie so far is that like you've probably seen a trailer, so it's like at the time, so you're like, okay, Tom Berenger's in it. He's got second billing to Cuba Kubi- right. Jr. and right. it's a thriller. Got it, you know? Right, and, like, and he is probably the only person
1: other, yeah, he's the only other person who we know. So, like, mm. we, so we're gonna, we're looking for him, you know, like the way we're looking for all the stars yeah, in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's. I just think that's a mistake, uh, and I think that's a clarity mistake that the director made, not the writer. Um, okay, so just like briefly. Uh, this sense of good enough. like So again, he had to sign off on this makeup, right? He had to say, that's good enough. And he had to look at Tom Beringer's mask and be like, that's correct. That is what I'm going to refer to as Roadhouse aesthetic. And the reason why is Roadhouse had kind of a low bar for stuff like that. Right, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if makeup doesn't look great, good, great, or like if all the if the chairs falling apart are kind of fake, or if the blood is silly, or like even just people's wounds and guns and stuff are a little bit silly because it's kind of a romp, and as you were about to say, it's very stagey, it's very theatrical, mm-hmm. like a play, and stagey, and we're more interested in sort of the the fun running around on set, and I think that is more roadhouse aesthetic. It does not fit this movie. This movie needs mm. to be uh, told ideally in a sort of like Orson Welles fashion, right? Or like mm-hmm. somebody who's do, who does thrillers, you know? So, you know, pick your favorite thriller. It's a noir. Yeah, it's though. noir. Right? You know? and Orson Welles is, I think, my favorite for establishing the rules of the genre. Like Billy Wilder, guys like that. Yeah. So, yeah. that's the kind of filmmaking we need here. And he's not doing that. He's doing sort of more of a romp in the way that he's directing this. Uh, he's doing more of a pelican brief yeah except pelican brief is at least a little more restrained see i think part of the problem with with rowdy harrington is like he has a sort of unrestrained sensibility and i think he's just one of those ah nobody will notice it guys and he's getting in it he's getting in his own way i think so so i think so now so you've led me right to my next point which is uh his sense of visual tropes so his ideas about how to visually represent the movie are also have this roadhouse aesthetic problem Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so the first thing is and I'm not the expert in this that Abe is so please jump in Uh, the film is not lit creatively at all Uh, there's no interesting lighting here there's no Mm -hmm. like there's not even things like negative fill or like uh, shading like or just like uh, like hard light even there just isn't stuff that would make it feel like the genre it fits into Mm -hmm.
0: Um, sometimes there's it feels like TV because everything's bright and there's no contrast face to face correct so like in terms of like your sides of your face like it's all the same same brightness. And that's considered flat lighting. And flat lighting is considered TV. So you can see everything because that's what people on TV want. And also people's TVs aren't tuned and color corrected like theaters are. So they just shoot for a balanced image. And this, this sensibility coming out of the format instructed how directors and cinematographers how to light TV, which is where this guy clearly comes from. And I think he's just ad hoc going to it because that's his sensibility and much of all of our sensibilities are from where we came from. Exactly.
1: And that's where my theory about the fact that he's a journeyman, like Abe just perfectly articulated it. Uh, it, is lit, it is a TV movie. It's very similar. And it's also flawed. It's not just that it's TV. It's also flawed. So like, what I mean by mm-hmm. that is, for instance, at five, at the five-minute mark in this movie, when we meet Kubi, Cuba Gooding Jr., he lights a cigarette, and he has the lighter out, and then he closes the lighter, and there's supposed to be a light gag, like the light from the lighter leaves his face, but it's late. It's, it's, it's just, just late. late, and it but... just looks bad. And again... This is a director watching that saying, that's fine. Uh, You know what I mean? Like, at the police station, which happens at the very beginning of the movie, there are lights on in the prison cells. And the hallway itself is black just so that we can see all the people in it. And it looks horrible. Like, it just looks really bad. And it's not moody. It's, like, bad. It's,
0: like, badly backlit in a way. Yeah. Uh, Did I ever tell you about the time in center target class where me and Michael Cox were getting uh, our instructor angry because we got this uh, we got this huge. Like piece of gear uh, I think it's called Lightning Strike And it's done to, in stages It's this 20,000 watt Bulb that has a Like I don't know what how they design it But it's able to flash really quickly okay. But you can dial it down like a Varicam So we would do weird Like we just had a running bit of like the weirdest Lightning flashes you could ever see <laughs> Like it would crack crack And then it would be really bright for too long Great. And he's like turn it off what are you doing? <laughs> and then we'd slowly turn it off, like way too slow. <laughs> like it's just... <laughs> uh... And everyone was laughing because it really felt stupid. Yeah. It really made us all yeah. take a moment and look around. And that's what I think you're talking about with this. With a light gag that's too slow, you think of the movie. And now that you're thinking about the movie, Everything you realize stupid. how stupid yes. it is. Because they probably got that fern at Walmart. What he's wearing is brought at Goodwill. Right. This is an actor. He probably's going home tonight. Right. And it's all falling apart. Like the artifice completely
1: falls apart at that point in a way that is like, well, you know, most people are going to forgive it, uh, which I think, again, is is Rowdy Harrington's bet. I think everything he does in this movie is most people are not going to notice this. And he's right. But like (laughs) it just it never it also doesn't do the thing that directors are supposed to do, which is draw you in. Like it can't draw you in. If it's not successful, it can't so even if the audience mm-hmm. doesn't know why they're not drawn in they're not being drawn in you know what i mean so like it's an impediment mm-hmm. and that to me is really important um one more point on this sort of topic uh the film also kind of lacks uh it lacks like shots that shape the tone right uh, or even the themes so, like, we don't get shots or scenes that say more than the surface level of the plot.
0: Uh, That's exactly what I wanted to also point out. And I think you're absolutely right about the, the play aspect yes, of Harrington. Right. Because – so the the philosophy goes that, like, the difference between directors of plays and directors of movies is that there's one fundamental difference between the format of the medium, which is that in directors – of films you actually have to present to the audience a shot a crop of the reality that's like playing out of look at this insert look at this face now look at this two shot look at this person arriving look at this person exiting and so you frame literally everything that is you're creating in theory a meaningful sequence
1: a sequence Mm -hmm. that that has not only the meaning in terms of what just happened but the meaning of what does it mean
0: but my eyes in a play, like when if I'm, a, I'm sitting down and watching a play, I can go look at uh, that actor or that actor or that actor and I'll completely miss a moment where right. like one actor is like shedding a tear or something that's important to the plot, let's say, or to the meaning or to the trope or to the style, anything that all those could be lost. And this guy doesn't realize that he's he's got a toolkit in his pocket. To make me understand, and he just doesn't use it. Correct. So, like, just just to put a point on the thing you just said,
1: uh, the first shot of the movie, (laughs) the very first shot of the movie, is a very long, slow zoom out of barbed wire on like the prison where we're going in the rain. And oh, that jazz! It's this long. Well, it's it's actually blues, (laughs) and it's horrible. Uh, We're gonna talk about that in a second. It's blues. Yeah, it's like blues guitar. Yeah, it it is. It's really bad. Uh, so like he zooms out of this barbed wire on the rain, right? Like, and it's like very sad. And then you ask yourself for like just one second. So like, does this hold a metaphorical significance? No, it's literally just what happened. Uh, Like, it's literally just, <laughs> this is the plot, and, like, and isn't it sad, yeah. and isn't it crimey? Like, it's just a shorthand mm-hmm. for what is going to happen, not for it's the like, underlying themes that make a story interesting.
0: You yeah. know? Uh, like, yeah. That's Roddy, what are you doing? Well, making the beginning of the movie. Right. It's, it's when like, the story begins. And it's like, yeah, but, like... Yeah. Again, it's the
1: credits and then the beginning. right. So, like, just you know, very brief contrast. I don't know. Pick a Coen Brothers movie. I guarantee you, their first image is going to be something that
0: matters. Like, uh, yeah, it's going to be like a. <laughs> postcard for the theme or right. like a clever metaphor for what uh, you're about to watch transpire right you it, know they like, just like yeah i mean i mean and not that every director is perfect all the time and i
1: i'm sorry start, we're starting right. to get into bashing rowdy territory and i you sure know, but it just shows you that this is not a director who's like embedded in the themes of the script uh even though they wrote mm-hmm. the script uh so the the director here kind of believes the job is to render the plot and the themes will sort of occur to people. And it's like, no, 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 no. As a director, your job is to highlight the themes and to use sophisticated visual language to make us feel them. Um, and I don't think mm. the director is doing that in this case. And I kind of believe this this script deserved to be rendered that way. You know, like imagine if Sidney Pollock had made – not Sidney Pollack, uh, Sidney Lumet. If Sidney Lumet had made this film yeah. – you know, like how good it would, or Billy Wilder, same story. Billy Wilder does it. Can mm-hmm. you even imagine how great it would look? Well, I mean, yeah, that's yeah, because they're greats. Well, that, that's but, what makes yes, them Yes, great. they're greats, but also they're skilled at the very thing that's missing here. You know exactly. Uh, okay, so also on this on this thread, uh, the camera moves are are mostly just transitions. They
0: are not emotional mm-hmm.
1: enhancements uh
0: it's literally going through the motions yeah, well, it's
1: literally bringing us to the next thing again it's very theatrical
0: like yeah. it's like a play
1: like a moving play where it's like and then this car carries us into the prison and he walks into the prison and we walk to his cell and i have no no problem with that i've done plenty of shots like that but it doesn't mm-hmm. uh it doesn't enhance the emotions that we're experiencing at all it just sort of brings us mm-hmm. to them um so you know uh that's not awesome in terms of that's I would call that roadhouse aesthetic because it's very, you know, let the let the action play out. Um lastly, right, right, and right. I'm so glad you brought it up cuz it makes me very happy, the music choices. <laughs> so like mm. that bluesy mm-mm, music mm-mm. uh that feels like elevator music is uh number one it's very bad. It's very TV. Um no, like so it just doesn't have the complexity or feeling of movie music of the time. Um, Mm -hmm. Which was all, you know, the 90s had a lot of great movie music in it, so that was surprising. And more than that, it's not, it doesn't match the circumstances, it matches the broad stroke activities of the scene. So like, you couldn't imagine Mm -hmm. music in this movie that sort of like highlights an action, for instance. Or undercuts in action, for instance. It's just sort of like right. a big blast of fire hose. It's just
0: there like carpet. Yeah. It's just you you put it on the floor and it's there and you walk on it right. Right, and it's everywhere. It's fine. Correct. <laughs> Very
1: similar to the melodrama of television. Like you know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. that's sort of the aesthetic here. It's the roadhouse aesthetic.
0: Mm-hmm. Um it's the ch- the cho- the choices though themselves and like the so like the smorgasbord of things combined that gives you its final image and sound um, It's like someone told him, like, can you try to do, like, you you ever seen David Lynch? (laughs) Like, it's like, I don't know if he tried to or didn't. He probably didn't. He was just doing his thing. I think it's the opposite. Uh, Which is great. I really think it's the
1: opposite. Because, like, yeah, it does feel like things that David Lynch likes. Like, David Lynch does like like TV movie aesthetic. He likes it. But see, David... Like Twin Peaks specifically. like Twin Peaks. But David Lynch also uses those things... To, like, push emotions that you don't expect.
0: No doubt. I'm not throwing shade on David Lynch. I'm just saying his aesthetic, because it's so, like, motley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, it's like oh, it's a rainy day. Oh, I'm hearing the smooth solo of uh, blues guitar. <laughs> and when I say slow, it's like yeah, slower. Yeah. Th- like when I say slow, like think of the slowest yeah, blues slow. you've ever thought of and think of the solo to that. And it's like, more. Yeah. it's like got a lot of reverb. And it's like, no, it's slower than that. But it's not,
1: <laughs> it's again. It's
0: like delicious warm butter. So,
1: <laughs> so like contrast it with a movie like Dead Man, uh, Deadman mm-hmm. has that incredible uh, Neil Young blues solo stuff that is like the score. That's uh, Jarmusch, yes, Jarmouche right? yeah, Who yes. I also think has a real problem with theatricality, uh, mm-hmm. but I, he, he's at least doing something interesting with it. Um, but he does have a tendency oh, to—he's
0: always next level. He's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Jarmouche is a, a madman. He's, he's really he's an actual madman. Yeah, man.
1: I like. Sometime we should talk about Ghost Dog: Way of the Samurai because I actually super oh. like that movie. Uh, yeah, 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 it's it's maybe one day. So like, uh, Jarmusch in that film, he like uses Neil Young's guitar, like, a sort of like almost like another voice. It's almost like another line of dialogue, you know? And, and, uh, Mm. I think it's really fascinating. That's the opposite of what's going on here. Um, Mm. okay. So just Mm. to move on, like, so those are the, the camera craftsman things and they all add up as Abe just alluded to. Uh, in the sum total to kind of drag the feeling of, wow, I'm I'm in a great movie down, right? Like you just don't have Mm -hmm. that feeling of, wow, I'm in a great movie and you don't have that emotional connect attachment to the subject matter because it's not being told Mm -hmm. very well. So the biggest problem I think from a directing point of view is that the director did not give adequate previous circumstances to the actors in this movie so I know that's gonna sound brutal and I'm sure Rowdy Harrington if he ever hears this will try to murder me and I don't blame him and hey man
0: you did better than I've done so far so I'm not he'll write a book about killing five podcasters
1: (laughs) and then I'll submit it Uh, yeah yeah
0: and then I'll send them to Tom Beringer because it,
1: for no reason. I um, would love if he just picked a random one of us of our little network and like, <laughs> it's like, you know, I could turn this yeah, in it's for like, money. It's
0: you, me, Michael, uh, yeah, Bridget, Bridget. And I don't know, Schmitty. It's going to be Bridget. It's going to be Bridget. Uh, it's going to be Bridget. Of course. She's so, she's so
1: wonderful, but still young. You know, she might fall for it. Uh, <laughs> I love you, Bridget. I hope you're hearing this. So, um, The actors here are missing previous circumstances. Okay, so what I mean by that is that sometimes uh, for an actor... Not sometimes. For an actor to believably be the character that we are experiencing and that is carrying us through this narrative, we need to get a sense of who they were before the movie started and before the scene we're in started. We need to get both those things. So... Um, I'm going to give you like one of my favorite movies for this, uh, and that movie is Heat. Excellent movie. Really great. It's done by Michael Mann, and uh, it's got Al Pacino and Robert De Niro in it. That's a movie <clears> where... the It rips. It's yeah. fucking great. It's so fun. Um, it's got that great shootout scene in the middle of Los Angeles that everybody is aped from time immemorial. And
0: uh, ooh-wee. Ooh-wee.
1: And so the thing that makes it so cool is every time we get sort of a moment alone with either Al Pacino or De Niro in that movie, we sense all the things that have happened in their life before that moment that have (laughs) added up to this person. So like they, and it's not even like a, you know, you can't look at them and be Mm -hmm. like, yeah, last Tuesday they went to the grocery store. And then the month before that, their mom died. It's not specific to that. It's that they are emotionally at the point where those things have happened and you can feel it. Right. You know, and you can feel it in the way that they deliver lines and you can feel it in the way they interact with other people, in their beliefs, all that stuff. So in this movie, in general, the characters don't seem to have a strong sense of who they were it's, before the movie it's started. Like
0: sketch. Yeah, a little bit. You exist for a role. Right,
1: a little bit. It doesn't you it know? doesn't have the grounding that most great performances do. And I think Cuba is a great actor, by the way. Um, I do. Yeah. I think he's done some really good performances. He didn't have the thing that makes him feel like a real person to start the movie.
0: Now Mm -hmm. I liked the way he, he doesn't have context. Right.
1: He doesn't really have correct. Right. Which we would call previous circumstances for our craft. So like, just so that everybody can see exactly what I mean. Um, the first thing in the movie is that he has a crisis of conscience and it does explain plot wise, why it happens right, which is Eric Stoltz's character betrays, like, I told her I'd get away with it. And so Cuba knows that, uh, you know, he knows, I'm defending somebody who's guilty. But what we don't really Mm -hmm. see in the performance is the, is the, first, we don't see the ambition of the lawyer, who he used to be. Second, we don't Mm -hmm. see the, like, the weight of that in his decisions. And we don't Mm -hmm. see... Like, sort of the expectations. Like, the things that would make him feel driven as a lawyer and then also feel, like, weightless. Like, he's falling into an oblivion when he loses all that. Those things yeah. are not there. He, and it's it's... Sorry. It's not because he's a bad actor. It's because those things were not built by the director... Exactly. ...before the movie started.
0: In fact, there's times where it, like, is loudly and clearly, like, begging for you. Like, it's... He knows... Harrington knows that you need to do yes, this Which is weird because he doesn't address it Because he does address it on a script level Where he says like The reason that he's defending this man Cuba, Cuba, going junior Is uh, he's defending Eric Stoltz Because uh, he They're friends from the past as children, they're friends. We never once hear them talking about being friends. Correct. They don't seem to have a relationship. That's anything like having a friend. They seem procedurally like I'm your lawyer. You're my client. And then it goes bad almost immediately. And you see none of that. And it's weird because it's like he dressed it in the writing, but then didn't make scenes that actually made me feel that that was the way you right. we were going for. We don't have the sense uh, of
1: betrayal that makes that
0: work. Uh, we, like, right. And it's like firing a bunch of red herrings off in the in the theater. You know, like, what, uh, what, what do I look like, at? And just
1: so everybody's clear, actors, even great actors, uh, need to be pushed to put these things in their performance because they're not just going to build it on their own. Now, like, there might be some exceptions, like maybe Daniel Day-Lewis builds it all on his mm-hmm. own. You know, like, uh, I'm sure there's some that are exceptions, but I think in general, even great actors like Al Pacino and De Niro, we've seen them be in movies where they weren't so great. And it's probably because the director didn't say, hey, man, we're missing that. We're missing what came before,
0: you know, which is just Mm -hmm.
1: it's a thing you have to do.
0: You know, Uh, you have to do it. Yeah. Some it has to be agreed upon or it doesn't even have to be agreed upon. It just has has to to be be present. That's yeah. Right. So uh, just another example uh lawson's
1: assistant you know uh cuba goody mm-hmm. jr's friend i guess uh mm-hmm. why does she ever help him uh do you
0: know why or do you understand are you are you talking about the assistant as like the like woman. his paralegal slash yes. friend yes, or the friend. His yes
1: the paralegal slash friend the,
0: so from the beginning of right. the movie yeah i don't i have no is clue. she attracted to him I don't know, but I also didn't get the feeling necessarily that they were trying to make us feel that they're not. Is it just because she's nice? I think it's she's looking out for him and she's just a friend. I think yeah. that's all he's really trying to do there. Uh I think yeah, I'm 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 if I'm guessing where you're going, it's kinda like uh it does seem like They filled that detail in because they were given nothing on the day. That's what. That's what. No rehearsal for
1: that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, like you know, I'm going to at least say the product doesn't show us that, and Rowdy Harrington, that's his job is to make sure it does. And I, even when the answer is, hey, they're just friends, then I should see the friendship. I should see it in a way that I understand in a in a
0: performance, exactly. And I don't, or I shouldn't see attraction. You know, like, I'm, I'm muddying up the waters by doing multiple things. Yeah, it's a hat on Right,
1: there's no clarity, uh, and there should be, so there's that. Yeah. Um, and, like, just so everyone understands, the thing that makes a narrative truly compelling is when you feel like you understand the emotions of the person who's going through the journey and connect to them, and in order for us to do that, mm-hmm. we have to believe in the person, we have to feel like we know that person, and then we have to feel like we relate to that mm-hmm. person. And so the previous circumstances are huge windows into the believability, the vibrancy of that person. Um, it's it's mm-hmm. frankly why actors do all these crazy things you hear them doing to get prepared for a role, like losing weight mm-hmm. or like Daniel Day Lewis becoming a cobbler or like any of that stuff, right? Like oftentimes, mm-hmm. maybe those aren't the best examples, but there are many examples of actors going through experiences to get prepared for a role because they want to bring the previous circumstances. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. So there's that. So, uh the last thing and it's also a directing actors problem and this is where this is where Abe's point about being this being a play is going to really soar is the staging of the actors or blocking is uh a little unimaginative so I can't say exactly how many but I think even in the first 15 minutes there's like four or five scenes that start with people standing somewhere waiting for the camera to show them so they could start doing the the scene and it just... The whole movie has that feeling of we're waiting for the scene. Here it is. Uh, and the actors <laughs> right. aren't doing things people would do.
0: Such, that's uh, some bushling shit, man. <laughs> clean entrance. <laughs> clean exit. Right. Well, like... Fucking uh, sa- solved it for you, I mean, and just to be clear,
1: if somebody went back through my old catalog of Cracked videos, they would see some pretty bad intro-outros. Uh, when I was writing this yeah, down, I but- thought about the poker game that was being played in... Uh, the, the what, what if we're all puddle of mud sketch? You remember that puddle of mud sketch? So, like, <laughs> yeah, I love uh, that. Me too, case. but you remember you were off sh- doing uh Jerry Potter stuff, as I recall. So, like, mm-hmm. we, I kind of had to throw that together. And Coxie and I were trying to figure out how to make some kind of a dolly shot without a dolly. And so he ended up just sort of walking the camera. And the point was supposed to be the window reveals the guys. But it's very clumsy and dumb and doesn't help the movie. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I understand why Rowdy Harrington got in this situation. I got into it, too.
0: But it still doesn't but work. But we're getting into the territory of, like, he's not being intentional with his work to literally... He's making mistakes that like film students make. Yes, I you know, agree with like that. He's the lack of preparation, the lack of clarity of thought on just the job is now now begging the question. I, we're, that the work is begging that question now because it's like like I said, I I don't I wasn't just being flippant about clean entrance, clean exit. Those are terms that they teach you in they film sure school. Very simple terms that it's like when you don't know quite what you want because this will happen sometimes and guess what it's good to have a plan a plan B like what if I'm not prepared well here's the strategies you employ like if you're unprepared in answering a question from an actor about what's my backstory and you don't have an answer to it don't like try to make something up no ask them back yes Go, engage right, in a dialogue. So let let's figure it yes. out together they teach you ways and methods and protocols essentially that are effective by other people who have done the job for years and years that you aren't privy to who have said these are this is some good wisdom there is a very simple wisdom that is, shoot. It. if you don't know, just shoot a clean entrance exit. You'll find it in editing, because if he enters the room from the beginning, that may not work. Uh, you can just cut into while he's walking in. You can crossfade now if you feel like that's the tone that you want to do for that edit. You just give yourself options. You give yourself handles when you shoot. You, you, you don't call cut the second you have it. Stuff like that. Normal director stuff. Right, I mean, yeah, we,
1: we don't seem to have that. And again, my feeling is most likely we're dealing with a director who thinks uh who, who's like this is good enough. Uh like I like that's the yeah, that's the feeling I that so. I get. Uh, I, I added this because I knew it would tickle your heart the way it tickled mine. There are multiple melodramatic thunderclaps in this movie. Oh, yeah, he, he loves There that. are thunderclaps with lightning at times that enhance the emotions of the scene. There's one at 12 yeah. at twelve minutes that uh, I paused it and wrote this down because that's how
0: furious it made me. I was like, no, what? Why? Uh, yeah. Come oh, on, it's man. It's because it's... Uh, it's- it's cause he's tonally trying to go for like a spooky vibe, I guess, you know, but like, it's that's, not, but again, like, who does that? Like, well, let's unpack like what comedy films directors do that. those, uh,
1: comedy directors right. do it. You know, when, when, right. yeah, I, I think he'd be in a, a very good director of like a blues brothers movie. Like, I think he would do a hell right. of a job with
0: that. I can imagine. But would he know that that's what he is, is the question. I don't think he does. Like, would, uh I think he just does it. That's that's kind of what keeps bringing me back to like the Tommy Wiseau of it all. Well, he's not Tommy Wiseau. You know? Like this man
1: is a competent journeyman, I at don't least. Know,
0: man, there's there is a legitimate sequence that I laughed at for the same reasons that I laughed at like the room, like the editing, uh, uh, like the there's a sequence where right when he uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. is arrested. Yes. Yep. Right. Uh, and he's taken into custody cause yeah. you know, uh, and then it cuts to the TV, uh, a TV, a newscast where it says that, uh, this is what's happened. He's being, he's taken into custody, did the crimes. And, um, and then it cuts, we realize who we're watching, who's watching the TV is, uh, is Stoltz. Yep. And, uh. He's sitting there on what I assume. Like I wasn't sure what they're trying to say because it's like a shitty apartment, and I thought he was like a rich kid, you know. Right, he's supposed to be very wealthy. He's in a robe. There's not any furniture in the room, other than a couch and a TV. It's like they just said, "What do we need for the scene? A couch (laughs) and a TV." It's like they said, "What have we got?" (laughs) <laughs> and that was and the, he that was the answer. and I can't believe you didn't mention this so yeah. far. He has he's sipping on orange juice, right? It's like his Pulp <laughs> Fiction character
1: showed up for this scene.
0: Yeah, which is fine. Yeah. Weird choice, uh, like why not? Uh, and then he sits on the couch, and as he celebrates Russell getting charged for the murders, uh, like we just this woman who's like scantily clad walks over and and like he's like clearly indicating to the women in the room I'm now going to party it's party time <laughs> because they all like kind of flock to yeah. him and he has his orange juice but there's no table so what does he do he sets the the glass of orange juice on the on the couch and it like teeters over and immediately i Lost all frame of reference for like what it what am I worried about in the scene? What's the scene about? <laughs> all I'm thinking about now is is that orange juice gonna yep. fall over? Is yep. it gonna spill? Yep. and it's gonna be hilariously just like an utter mess, Great. just like the sequence because <laughs> it was amazing. It, it's Tommy Wiseau esque. I'm I, not I, saying because uh, Tommy Wiseau doesn't so, understand. So, wait wait wait, uh, wait, 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 uh, yes.
1: I we need to make a massive distinction between Tommy Wiseau and this guy. So, like this, yeah, guy, absolutely. But wait, it's wait, like so, this guy. Is he doesn't have a. He does not value the emotional work of directing at a level mm-hmm. that makes him a craftsman that we would look up to. He does right. not do that in this film. Uh, Tommy no, Wiseau agree. is an incompetent fool who thinks anybody can be a director and proves that that is not true. Like, this guy Absolutely. can direct a scene, it just isn't going to be, yeah. you know, a. Uh, it's not going to have the robust energy of, you know, insert your favorite director here. No,
0: there's there'll be no charm in it at all. I understand that distinction. I'm glad you made the distinction. I am literally saying his choices in that orange juice sequence, because I'm calling it the orange juice <laughs> sequence Reasonably. now. It is no longer about the movie. It's about the freaking orange juice. And- that is Tommy Wiseau esque. It is literally a choice that Tommy Wiseau would make. Like, let's not give the guy a table. He's just gonna set it on, set it on the pillow, <laughs> and hope for the best. It literally like wobbles right, right, right. for like the the three seconds that we see before it cut right. away. I think I'm, that that tells you that
1: the thing that Tommy Wiseau and this man's failings have in common is the assumption that the audience isn't paying attention to that stuff and that like the mundane details of a scene aren't really that important. And like that sometimes you just kind of got to knock a scene out and who gives a shit. Like that's, that's at least what his work suggests. It feels lazy to me. Lazy. Uh, Again, I'm not trying to bash this guy. I I just think like it undermines the sort of passionate craftsmanship of a man of like a story that has a lot of twists and turns and moral parable to it that I like. Uh, And yeah. I think, and again, if I was the writer of the script and I wasn't the director and the director did all this stuff, I would be disappointed. And we both have been in the situation where uh, the writer disagreed with what we did. And, and I've never Ooh. intentionally given the writer cause to feel this way about a movie. This is the very last way. I would want Oof. somebody who gave me Oof. a script to feel. So I can't even imagine what it's like when you are the writer to care right. enough to make a script that has all this stuff in it. Uh, and then as a director to get like, ah, let's just get going here. Like, I don't know if they're under a time crunch or money crunch or what, but that's, uh, I don't understand it. So I want to transition to a conclusion. And then, of course, uh, then Abe, it's potpourri, you know, Then then it's really time. Oh, uh, so yeah, sure. I want to say I it is not bad that TV movies or Roadhouse aesthetic like those are not inherently bad things. Um, there it's entertainment, and there are a lot of people who like the sort of obvious, uh, sort of almost uh low low intensity filmmaking like this. It's why Lifetime as a channel exists. It's why CBS comedies exist. It's why, you know, lots of stuff. A lot of people want the kind of, I'm going to call it toothless. That's maybe a little harsh. The sort of muted uh, thrillers and the sort of sanguine comedies more than they want their their Mm. deep darkness, you know. Um, But to me... That kind of entertainment does not challenge the audience or move them very deeply and therefore doesn't do the thing that I think it makes the best entertainment, which is uh, make us look at ourselves. Uh, that's To me, the Ooh. best entertainment is something that makes people reflective about themselves. And this is a movie that is about a moral parable. So like, I do think it's important for him to be held to the standard of his own endeavor, and he didn't meet it. Um, and it's a shame that mm-hmm. the director here did not care enough about the writer's material to do a more elevated overall job with the material. Yeah.
0: Uh, and that's it. That's my piece. I I really like this episode, or I like this presentation, because I Thank think you, it's sir. something that we... Sometimes even I miss, because uh, we're trying to... Tr- And talk about ways that direction is interesting, but this is like a suit. And therefore you kind of, you grab at, and you kind of started with a, a caveat that you gave at the beginning, which was like, we're not here to dunk on this guy. Like, I think what's very tempered about what you've, how you've approached this is you're trying to establish the clear indications to, if let's say someone were to, God forbid, attempt to become a director, like if they were to try to see, like get so focused because there's so many things, so many disciplines, so many tools, so many people to collaborate with on any given set that you want. You, it's easy to lose the forest for the that's, trees. I think that's and,
1: actually the secretly hardest thing about directing.
0: I think you it know? is. I think it's the it's the many many uh, irons on many many burners. Yeah. You know, like or yeah, it's like um, it's just. I I want to point out that it's true that I think that this guy. Uh, And, you know, like, I don't mean ill will to him. I just think that this movie and this execution is either lazy or non-selective. And that is what I think you're pointing out as uh, saying, look, you need to charm us. Fundamentally, you are entertainment. And I think you said that very well. And so we're kind of discussing, like, the presentation of scenes and the results of scenes as a viewer. That's what we're kind of trying to sieve all of this information from. Uh, you need to be so very – you need to tailor every moment. And they, te- they tell this to editors all the time because in the end, the editor is the person who cuts out all the unwanted bits. That's why we're constantly comparing ourselves like our uh, rough drafts or our dailies. Uh, to you know the greatest hits Because when they're the greatest hits Like Mank just came out right And David Fincher is well known to be And he discusses it himself He's like there's no such Like I don't understand why acceptable is okay Right of course Like I understand that that's literally what the mean the Perfect. word means But like n- no one has ever told me That is an acceptable scene And that's what I'm striving for I'm striving for, per- for per- per- perfection Like I want perfection But I'll, I'll 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 deal with exceptional like that will be a fine that's my minimum uh, I want perfection I don't always get it and the fact that this guy and TV movies and there's a whole bunch of media that comes from this you know like directors of reality TV show the you're not we had to deal with this when we were doing like we have bigger aspirations as directors ourselves and we're at crack.com we're not like when we were at cracked and we were making sketch comedy internet like bullshit make them up jokes about poop for the internet. We're not trying to say that we're lofty directors there. We're no, trying to do the best job we can at the job that we're given, and that's what the job needed is for us to be like kind of transparent and funny. Um he didn't do that here. Yeah, I like he didn't do I, his job. I guess job. like, you know, and I don't want to
1: sound jealous or whatever, but like he's in a position as a as a writer who is directing his own film to do the thing mm-hmm. that all of us dream. This is like that is the dream mm-hmm. to to like a thing yeah. I wrote we're now going to make that and I have money to make it and the big star. Like it's right. that's the dream and I can't say exactly how this product arrived like the circumstances that that Created it. Maybe it is back against the Maybe. wall. Maybe I mean yeah. it could be like he might not have had enough money or a bad ad or there's any number of possibilities. Uh, although by the way, Cuba was a was a producer on this, so uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I have to feel like Cuba probably got him more resources. Right. Anyway, so well, so yeah. like it's a sh- like this is just what I would not want my work to feel like if this was my script and. uh, you know what I mean? Like this is the way i am like I don't want people to think this way about me. I don't mind when people think like, oh, I don't like what you do. <laughs> you know, like it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's In like that's my movie.
0: I get it. Perfect. Uh, yeah. That
1: bums me out. Like I can't say it doesn't hurt. It definitely hurts. I've had it happen.
0: For sure. Uh, but like yeah. we're all we're all flawed in the way that yeah. we want people to love us. But like also, that's why there's different directors. Right. Go enjoy. Right. Them, enjoy the works of you know, like or or whoever. You go have yeah. a good time.
1: And that's fine. You know? And like uh I like, it's okay to make a thing that people don't like. It's not okay to make a thing people could like if you weren't in the way. You know what I mean? that That's mm-hmm. like, uh, I mean, all I can say is this is a very competitive field. I don't know how long a, a person can get away with doing that anymore. Um, maybe longer than I'd like mm. to admit, but I, I, God willing, if ever there comes a day that I'm in this situation, Abe... Don't let me be lazy, you know. Uh, I know you'll be. I know you'll be just, like hearing about it. Just one in the brain. Yeah, you, yeah just, just an A. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I need to have a quick meeting. Uh, guys, <laughs> let's take lunch. Uh, then pistol right in the brain. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. That's where. You, that's where you were going I was. with was, Yeah, you were right on point. You're right on point. All right.
1: Cool. You're right on point. Well, hey. Uh, you remain beautiful, and uh, what a great time we had! And uh, I still kind of miss that guy, don't you? Uh,
0: yeah. Where did where that guy go? Well, uh, we'll probably find out next episode, or not. We're not really <laughs> planned here. We uh, don't plan One stuff. thing I'll say <laughs> about this ep- this series is it's lazy and non selective. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think that's a good place to stop right yeah, we don't even need an ending maybe no. I should just cut off right as I'm saying this <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I know you did. It I'm already. actually
0: probably literally going to cut I know you already. That right is, yeah. I'm saying that this has been a Small Beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at Patreon.com/smallbeans. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com/forward/slash/smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the small beans grow into huge giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!